All right, John, here we go. I'm going to give you a warning this time so that I don't surprise you. All right. We've already started. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. <laughs> that, that counts. Thank uh, you for that generous warning. You're welcome. Welcome back to Catechized, where we discuss the historic Reformed confessions and catechisms. I am your host, Josh. With me, as always, is my co-host, St. John the Divine of Elsie. I, I want Lord in my title. <laughs> I'll try and work it in. Lord of Elsie? Legionnaire. John, Lord of Elsie. Legionnaire? I don't... Isn't that a disease? Legionnaire? I think that's a disease. I think it's, I lead a legion. I think it might be both. Legionary? Legionnaire? Not legionary. It doesn't matter. Isn't Legionnaire's disease a disease? Yes, we got that confirmed. Our our medical expert has phoned in, and indeed it is a disease. Medical expert majored in French and politics. (laughs) (laughs) And, and English, English, whatever one. All of which are directly applicable to this disease. Yeah. So she knows her stuff, folks. Anyways, anyway. <laughs> it's an exciting episode. We, in the second, the, the penultimate, to use a word that's too fancy for its own good, episode of season one, uh, we have finally, hopefully, figured out the volume balance on Indeed. this yeah. <laughs> recording one day stuff. more. You know, one day more. Les anyway. Miserables. Um, Anyways, also John has a pop filter, so you're not going to hear him pop, 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 making pop. all those noises that he used. I to I was make. doing those on purpose. Purpose. Um, Anyways, I don't want to. But we're back with <laughs> with the shorter catechism. We are discussing question nine, which is um, well, John's going to read it for you, and then I'm going to read it for you, and then we're going to you know, we'll we'll talk. Then tell you so what, John, we'll talk about it today. First time. Mixing it up. <laughs> yeah. We don't usually do this, but we wanted to talk about the question today after we read it. It's a good um, idea. All right. Here we go. Question nine. What is the work of creation? The work of creation is God's making all things of nothing by the work of by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. This is very official sounding of you. You read that like a dignitary. Indeed. Nice. Uh, again, um, <clears throat> again question nine of the westminster shorter catechism what is the work of creation the work of creation is god's making all things of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good all right so as talking about creation creation um continuing in the the flow of the catechism from the previous weeks we were working through uh or last oh man last time was a battle of wills well no that was two times ago with the decree oh yeah and then we talked about uh in in, in with question eight um yeah basically question eight the sets execution up of the decree sets up this week and then it a couple weeks the beginning the of season two yeah um and so yeah we're talking now about the work of creation uh to continue this kind of expression of god's works uh as as summarized in the catechism and as we talk about this question and answer we're going to start by kind of highlighting the distinctives of the question like the the ways the answer qualifies god's work of creation and describes it and then which john and i have been like waiting for (laughs) for some reason (laughs) i don't i I don't know why this is such a fun thing for us but we're talking about the different views of creation um, and then we'll talk about our hymn and our heresy and send you on your way to to love and serve the Lord, as some say. That's yeah. whatever. Anyway, it's part of liturgy. To take down the haters who have a different view of creation than you. To tell all the people who hold X view of creation why they're in danger of losing their salvation, yeah, which is possible. That's what we're all about here on Catechized. Anyways, let's get away from sarcasm so that we can (laughs) make sure the next things we say are all serious for (sighs) for a bit (laughs) but anyways box me in here a little bit let's start so the again the kind of distinction distinctions distinctives when i type distinctives in in my notes it said it wasn't a word but i feel like distinctives is a word it's distinctors nope (laughs) no it's distinctors (laughs) not that Anyways, the distinctions of the question are but first yeah. that, that all things are made. For, God makes all things from nothing. He makes them by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. And so we're just going to talk about what those things mean. So yeah. 
So yeah. all things from nothing. This is a good starting point, obviously. I mean, this this sounds really obvious, like all things from nothing. Well, well, it sounds really obvious for for people who kind of grew up in the church. Yeah, that's what but I mean. This like, is if you're kind a, of really one of the like Genesis one is the most well known, one of like three most well known passages to people who grew up in like Sunday school, and so you've kind of yeah, God made it out of nothing. We get that, but that's a significant. And also unique reality yeah. um, to the Bible. When and was the last time you made something out of nothing? And the answer is never. Wow. <laughs> All right, that wraps it up. That's, just <laughs> no, think on that for a yeah, while. Yeah, just thesis. Imagine, um, what, well, actually someone, I forget, when it was like, All right, kids, we're doing Sunday School and Creation. Now, I want you to imagine something without using anything that you know of already it's like you can't do that like a you like a unicorn pegasus is a horse with wings and a horn you, you're like taking things that exist and piecing yeah. them together like even when we create stuff we don't actually we're derivative it's so derivative yeah and that is an interesting thing it's a yeah. funny little kids exercise that is like kind of m- frustrating to your brain like i can't do that i can't I, there's no way i think also like when we think from nothing we think like a big empty space but in actuality there's no space there's right. no time there's no nothing he created those things as well yeah god god is the only thing in existence and he speaks and other things begin to exist including yeah. the formlessness and void that is creation as genesis 1 2 says which we'll talk yeah. about later yeah and this this idea that god creates out of nothing it, it again, as John highlighted, it seems mundane, but it it does highlight some unique realities that are affirmed in the Bible. That, like we we often forget that the Genesis was given to people in the ancient world, and there are very specific things that are being accomplished in that creation narrative. And one of them is showing the uniqueness of God and the distinctiveness of God, distinction, whatever, yeah. of God and His people from other peoples and their false gods yeah and in all these other myths there's kind of there's an infinite regress or at least a, yeah. a, a weird progression the world was of formed the out of, of a battle between two gods right. and like the or, corpse of one grew into the world that we know right. or i think the, that's like that's one of them or yeah. it's like the the titans made the gods and the gods created people and then there's someone died and they created the earth out of the remains of one of the defeated enemies yeah. or whatever and and there's always something else that the gods are forming things out of. Yeah. And th- the Bible is clear. God exists. He creates. And then other things exist. Uh, and that is utterly unique. And it kind of both emphasizes God's own self-existence and creation's complete dependence. Yeah. That, that God needs nothing. And creation is entirely in need of the God who creates everything that has exists that isn't him. Yeah. Honestly, actually, this is a helpful discussion. I mean, we're that we'll probably get into more. Well, we'll definitely get into more. But basically, it's helpful to note from the get-go that the people who this was written to have different concerns than we do. So, you Ooh, know, the writing— That's good foreshadowing. Yeah. You know, so like you were saying, like a lot of the um, uh, ancient religions had different views of creation. And like things like creation out of nothing— weren't necessarily things that they like because we would be like when we hear that we're like who created the titans where did the titans come from that created the you know gods that created the man that blah 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 they don't have those concerns like we do necessarily they were being combated from the outside by different ideas yeah Yeah. exactly so that's that's an important thing to note from the get-go not that they were stupid and like and not engaging with other ideas it's that's an idea that everyone before us was less intelligent no that's the worst anyways so God made everything out of nothing. That's hugely unique to the one true God and the the story uh, of creation and everything that is is revealed in Scripture. Uh, again, emphasizing things both about God and about creation. Which, I mean, we could spend the entire episode talking about the importance of remembering our creaturely na- nature oh, and yeah. remembering our dependence on God and utter reliance on Him for everything, and everything else is utter reliance on Him for everything. Yeah. Our um, position as images, all you know, like there's so much in creation that yeah, it's worth. I actually took. <laughs> it's funny this this class me and Josh have both taken. We took it together. It's gen. It's going from Genesis <laughs> to Joshua. That was what the class covered, and the teacher never got out of the first like ten chapters of Genesis. I think we made it to Genesis twelve. 
Maybe Genesis 12. Okay. <laughs> Out of the first 12 chapters of Genesis, we did not escape. So that just goes to show you that you could spend a whole class and not, <laughs> really not get leave Genesis. Yeah. So for the sake of not doing that. Yeah, let's get into more of some of these distinctions, I guess. Yeah. The, so the next is, by the word of his power. I mean, this just shows pure omnipotence. He does not need to, like, get down in the dirt and, like, build the sandcastle that is the earth or something. He straight up just says it. Right. And it is. Yeah, and that, again, speaks to the glory and power of God. And, and I think it just, it's the best summary of what Scripture speaks of when it talks about creation. Yeah. Not only in Genesis 1 where God said and it was, God said and it was. There's, like, a complete obedience of creation to the word of God. Yeah. That it exists, and the existence of creation is kind of an obedience almost to God's command. Yeah. Um, but also that in Colossians one seventeen, um, Paul emphasizes um, when he's talking about the preeminence and the, the supremacy of Christ that he is before all things and in him all things hold together not only emphasizing the reality and the unity of the first and second person of the trinity in their work in creation but also the fact that creation is held together and someone was talking to me I forget once it's like a good Christology emphasizes the reality that in the moment where Christ is on the cross receiving the wrath of God as punishment for the sins of his people he is also still simultaneously holding together the entire universe. Yeah. That's crazy. And just real quick, Christology is like view of Christ. Yes, studies of, studies of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then similarly, in a passage in Hebrews talking about the preeminence and supremacy of Christ, um, the author of Hebrews says, uh, oops, sorry, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. But again, this power of gods that is visible in creation that he makes things by his word and his word is power mm -hmm. that also that same word and power sustains and, and holds together and upholds that's the same yeah. thing um, cool. I use <laughs> all of creation multiple words for a single thought but i do that all the time you're right and, and we're actually going to talk about that a lot more once we get it so we're talking about creation now when we're talking about providence that will come up a lot more yeah. so yeah we'll we'll be back to, loosely to quote, quote Arnold, the late great, he's alive. The he's great Arnold alive. Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I don't know if he's great. I Terminator. don't know anything about him. I, I kind of enjoy him. Actually. I think he seems like beyond his movies. I enjoy his movies, but I think he seems like a good guy. Have you seen that video of him like chasing a horse on a dirt bike? <laughs> no, I have. He has like a miniature horse on his ranch or whatever, and he can't chase it because he's like seventy. Yeah, <laughs> and the horse likes running around, <laughs> so he like chases it on a dirt bike for fun that's not, that's oddly I'm, I'm no like expert on his movies but that oddly sounds like the plot of or true lies where he has a uh there's a chase scene where he chases a guy on a motorcycle on a horse through like a hotel and a mall wait he's on the horse yeah he's on the horse no in this the horse is running free wait so he's chasing and he is on a dirt bike chasing oh, the horse okay <laughs> well it's it's similar but switched then because he's riding the horse in the movie. Nice. Anyways. <laughs> and the villain is riding the motorcycle. Oh, no. Well, we'll be back, not to the Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> discussion. We but might to be. The <laughs> <laughs> I might steer us back. <laughs> but to the discussion of God's upholding power in, in, in our conversations on Providence. You know what was a pretty good Arnold movie? The most recent Terminator movie? Okay. The movie itself wasn't that great, but I enjoyed Arnold in it. And that's the last I'll say, so we'll go back into... <laughs> Thanks for that. Go back into it. It's our new segment. Uh, How's Arnold? Moments this week? with Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, the next thing—it's just another thing we'll touch on before returning to it more in depth later. This episode is—is is that the the Catechism asserts that God created all things in the space of six days, and as we'll really talk about this this wording of the divines, I don't I, I don't know if it was intentional on their behalf, and I think others have speculated on whether it was intentional to word it vaguely like that or not. But they say in the space of six days, God created everything. And as there are many views of creation, which we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes, people speculate whether the divines were... John, you were there. You can tell us. Yeah. Uh, we're wording it that way to allow for that diversity of interpretation. That the space of six days, are they really trying to nail home one certain view? Or are they allowing for separate views? Yeah. And there was a pretty big debate there. But regardless of what you believe, the six days of creation in Genesis 1 are really important. Yeah. But how they're important is, is what we'll talk that's, about in a bit. That's just for anyone who may not be 
like you know super familiar with the the debate basically most of the understanding of creation or not most but a good chunk of our understanding of creation and like the different theories behind it builds off the fact that it says you know six days in the bible but it doesn't really define how long a day is particularly you know we'll get there yeah the sun's not that's a teaser of what's coming in very short moments in a minute um, uh the next is in the last of the, the qualifications of the answer is that god creates all things very good and this is just i think a good reminder of the perfection and sinlessness of creation that god is not the source or the cause of evil but when he made everything everything was good and it's not like god looked on his creation and was like man that's neat it's it's like a moral goodness or or a, a without blemishness of creation that it was made good and god is good and yeah. voss our boy wait several things here <laughs> yeah some retcon um, here he's not american he's dutch but he lived most of his life and had a great portion of his career including his most famous years at princeton in obviously america because princeton's in america yeah so he is a dutch american theologian yeah because he was born in holland <laughs> So my Gerhardus voice. Well, that was not Dutch. Okay. <laughs> I crafted that distinctly for a Dutch you a know, Dutch American. language. Yeah. We're we are drift. so far off base. Man. Gerhardus Voss, <laughs> Dutch American theologian, says that evil is alien to the universe. Um, it has no belonging here. Well, he says it's alien to the universe, and, and my expanding on it, on that idea is that that evil doesn't belong in creation. It's not. It's not supposed to be. Yeah. There's a book that I read for one of my classes, not the way it's supposed to be, a breviary on sin. And I think it was for my mm. ethics class, and and I think oh, a lot of uh, yeah, I know exactly. Is it a is. is it a oh, what's his face Plantinga book? Yes. Yeah, one of the Plantingas. Cornelius Plantinga, I think. But one of the Plantingas wrote this. It's a phenomenal book. Hey, bring back our famous segment that we had that one time. <laughs> book recommendations <laughs> with the Catechized Boys. <laughs> That's stupid. Um, I love that. Catechized boys. Yeah. Not the way it's supposed to be. A breviary on sin. It is amazing. It is so good. Read it and be edified. And be shook spiritually. In a but good I think way. that this is an interesting point that we don't capitalize on as much as we ought to. When we see all the sin and suffering and injustice in the world, we focus on and often are plagued by and I think it's it's fair to ask oftentimes. Why did why did God make the world like this, or why does God allow this to be? But it's much more important that we remember that this is not how God created creation to be. Evil and sin are not the way that this world is supposed to be, and that our discomfort and hatred and sadness and brokenheartedness at sin and injustice, there's been a lot of hard things, not just because we're in the middle of a pandemic, which is difficult yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in more or less serious ways, um, but also that there's been a lot of, I mean, the news is not generally representative of all that is really happening. It highlights what it wants to for its purposes. But there, regardless of why things are being highlighted, the things being highlighted are horrible with how certain people are being treated. And, and we cry out for justice and we cry out for an ending of evil. And we are kind of yeah. broken hearted to the core by the things we see in this life, whether it be experiences with death or illness or violence or whatever and there's a reason that that is so offensive and hard for us and that's because that's not how the world is supposed to be yeah that god created everything good it was good it was good it was good and we created man it was very good and we screwed it up <laughs> yeah and this is like i think it's it's helpful to note because i sometimes think this way where it's just sort of like god created it and then he looked at it and was like oh, you know what, that turned out well. Like like <laughs> me like throwing something in the oven for dinner and it actually ended up being good or something like that. That's not how it is with God. <laughs> like he is the only agent working on something. So on anything in the world at that point, you know. Yeah. And so if if he declares it's good, it's because he made it to be so. Right. And because um, he himself is good and the source of all things. And yeah. if it comes from him, then it is necessarily good good. yeah he's he's not yeah i think i said this a couple weeks ago but it's not like he created the world and it's like and it's good but i planted you know like a a trick like a deception in there right that'll really throw him off good point but yeah well let's let's do let's do uh, the deed here so (laughs) 
first of all, I think it's really easy. We're talking about the views of creation now. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to, when talking about the views of creation, fall into one of two extremes. And we, I think we've talked about that a lot. This idea that often the right belief or the right thing is to hold a balance between two extremes. Yeah. And here, I think it's the same, where there are some traditions or individuals with convictions that if you don't believe this hyper-specific view of creation that yeah. you're damned to hell and there are others that say it doesn't matter it's just a story there's not it's an allegory we yeah, got here there's no significance yeah. stop worrying about the bible's view of creation those are both wrong and i think that at the class that john and i were in where we spent forever in, the, in before genesis in the pre yeah in the early chapters of genesis we spent a lot of time talking about the views of creation and part of that was looking at because we were at a a reformed seminary or i was and john still is <laughs> <laughs> i started first it's not good it's, one it's good one goyle good one goyle harry potter yep that the 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 pca presbyterian church in america and the opc orthodox presbyterian church both did study committees which are like these things that are kind of a joke in and outside of this the presbyterian community that if there's an issue they like assemble a study committee yeah. it's this really overly involved drawn out thing <laughs> with the subcommittees and all sorts of stuff in 40 years we will have an answer <laughs> for you yeah right but but they're genuinely helpful at least these were and part of our, our discussion was looking at those study committees and what they more or less came down to was there are several views here that that seem to be biblically founded or at least biblically permissible and and this kind of came out of a discussion of is the westminster shorter catechism saying in its summary of scripture that scripture demands a certain view of creation or is it not is there room for interpretation of the creation days and they basically were like yeah there's room for interpretation hold some orthodox view have charity with those with whom you disagree yeah and be willing to discuss and be willing to be wrong um yeah this is this is one of the the things i think we just need to approach with humility on all sides sure. like no one actually utterly perfectly knows other than god right how you know the and moses and pre presumably pr perhaps moses as well yeah um and i guess anyone who's with christ now yeah okay. sorry that, I'm, de I'm derailing thanks your good for, point uh, <laughs> thanks for that um and jesus and let's not forget the holy spirit no just kidding but no one really knows exactly the answer to this so if you're approaching this argument like this is the hill i die on like you are basing that not on the truth of you know the right. bible you're basing that on what you want it to be right. or an argument you know and that's just not not what we want to do we want to be understanding of each other realizing that this is not this is honestly not the most important thing right this is a secondary issue. Now, there are parts of it that are primary issues, which I think were the distinctives of the answer. Yeah. That God created everything, that he created it good, that he created it out of nothing. Yeah. And in the space of six days, however you interpret it, as we yeah. will dive into so shortly. So it's not, it's not like chucking out the creation account as right. though like, and it doesn't matter how you interpret this. Right. But there are things about the creation account that are central. Yeah. But there's ancillary, is that? Yeah, there's like outside yeah. issues that are that are not essential so don't die on that hill yeah and the 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 length of each day is an issue in that camp that being said we have the right answer no, <laughs> no false <laughs> but yeah so it's funny me and josh do agree on this so which we'll get to at the end yeah. of the section anyways there are three kind of main views that the study committee went through and and, yeah. and they went through that because these three interpretations are the main interpretations of christians that the, the, the yeah. most these are the ways that Christians generally understand the creation narrative. And those three views of creation are the literal view of creation, which can also include a mature earth aspect of it. Yeah. Um, the day age view and the framework theory. View. Yeah. And we'll briefly explain those. And then we will kind of toss some pros and cons and say yeah. why. Yeah, well, yeah. And say why, why we hold what we hold. Yeah. So, so which one do you, do you to summarize, summarize one, John. All right. I'll, I'll just start with the first one. It's a good idea. Um, so the first view, like we were saying, is the literal view. This is literally, it says six days. It means six 24 hour periods. God created the heavens and the earth. Right. Um, Chronology matters and order matters. Yeah. And so basically 
this is you know this is typically the most um most you know conservative evangelical churches i feel like generally this is probably the most popular view oh yeah yeah and when i teach i taught ninth grade old testament and when i was like hey here are several views of this this passage in scripture most of them were like we had only ever been told about literal yeah we we, we didn't know that christians could believe things other than everything was created in six 24-hour periods yeah and so with this specific order and so you know some i guess like strengths maybe of this view is that from a very at least for us from a very like casual reading it you know you see you created it in six days and it was evening and it was morning you know we think well how can that be anything but you know six uh, literal days six literal days right so it it kind of i guess it benefits from being like seeming like it's the obvious choice right it seems to and it seems to really value and and hold high scripture which is a good thing that we want to do yeah yeah because because another issue is and this will come up a lot i'm sure is like basically is evolution so a lot of times (laughs) you know with with the rise of evolutionary theory people started to question the creation account and so we want to make sure that we keep priorities straight yeah with that speaking of the next view is the day age view which states these days are not 24-hour periods but they are ages they are indescript um periods of time that describe creation which often works with a or is partnered with a more scientific or evolutionary perspective that god used and guided evolution to create over six consecutive ages that are varying in length but significant in length yeah i believe it says i can't remember the exact passage offhand but there's a passage that talks about how to God, a day is like a thousand yeah. years. Basically, it's in the New sh- Testament. Yeah, basically showing that God is outside of time, and that's kind of used to argue this. It's like it says day, but to God, a day yeah. is not. And there are other instances in the Old Testament where day is used, and it's not referring to a specific solar day. But yeah. they did days weird. Like the day started when the sun set, which is why mm. Sabbath was Friday night through Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, oh. Do you remember what you're going to say? Yeah, like the day of the Lord and the prophets. The day of the Lord isn't like, we're waiting for this 24-hour period. Oh, yeah, But yeah. that day refers to a period of time or a th- an event uh, coming. So it's not a specific 24-hour period. So the word yom can mean 24-hour period of time or chunk of time, age thing like that. Yeah, and so the one other aspect I was going to talk about is just that it does – have more of a relationship to science in the sense that it tries to accommodate for science, which can be a positive or a negative. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. The last one is framework theory, which is, is the view that basically this. So some people are like, well, Genesis one is actually poetry. It's not poetry. You can see we represent pretty well in our translations where there is poetry in the Bible and where there's not, you can like see it. It's yeah. narrower and it's like in stanzas like in Hebrew poetry. poetry. It has a pretty particular, not particular, but like you can tell when Hebrew poetry is being used and yeah. when it's not. But it's also, this is not straight prose either. Yeah. The Genesis one account. It's this kind of narrative. It's this high narrative. And so yeah. the framework theory would argue that the Genesis one account of creation, because there is a Genesis one account and a Genesis two account of creation. Yeah is it's building a framework it is talking about the relationship of creator to creation and created things to one another yeah that that uh god creates creature kingdoms with the heavens and the seas and skies and the land on days one through three yeah and then in three parallel days he fills those kingdoms with sun moon stars birds and fish creatures and man and the the culminating act of God's creation is humanity, his image bearer. Yeah. And the the idea of the Genesis 1 kind of 10,000 foot view of creation is that it's not concerned with how long creation took. It's not concerned with what order creation happened in, but it's concerned with the relationship of the created things to one another. And most importantly, the relationship of those created things with their creator. Yeah. So when you look at, you know, the days of creation, it's interesting because one through three, like Josh is saying, are basically these like kingdoms, quote unquote. Right. You know, the first light and dark, so space of some kind. 
and then the second we got the sky and the sea and then the third we have land and then days four through six are just populating those right so well we'll talk about this in a second there is a lot of common ground in these three different views like like all of them would assert that the six day paradigm given in the first creation narrative which is genesis 1 1 through 2 3 or 4 uh is setting the pattern that god uses for sabbath and for work and rest and everyone holds to that that whatever they are whether it's literal or ages or just kind of a literary tool it's serving that purpose you kind of have to because moses says it's doing that in the in exodus and also that these views still uphold the the distinctives summarized in the question and answer of the catechism that God creates all things from nothing and so on. Yeah. And also these views emphasize, well, that, that's kind of the common ground. Yeah. But I think what'll be most helpful is if, if we talk about why we believe the one that we believe so that we can kind of touch on some issues yeah. with those. We are both framework guys. Yeah. We both, and this is funny because the third view, the yeah. third view where it's a literary tool, these creature kingdoms and creature creatures populating them. Yeah. And when we were in the class, <laughs> This is like, I didn't mean to be a jerk, but apparently I <laughs> Oh, like I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> our, <laughs> our professor was like, he assigned us to all write a short paper about why we hold which view. And then we were going to, to spend a class period. And these were night classes, so it's like a three-hour thing. Yeah. We were going to spend a class period discussing them. And we kind of opened with, okay, summarize why you believe <laughs> the one you believe. And I said, basically... That when I read the Genesis account, it seems clear. It seems <laughs> obvious. And what I meant was like it just it it just seems so naturally to come from the text. These yeah. three, the the, th- the the parallels of days one through three with days yeah. four and five. And, and when you're trying to and the put lit- yourself in the culture, it just it sort of yeah it, yeah. It, and it sounded like I was like. Well, it's clear, isn't it? All you idiots who hold to the other ones. <laughs> he, it was so funny because he. What happened was basically the teacher was like, "All right, let's hear some strengths for this view." And Josh, first, like first hand up, is just like, "It's it's the clear and obvious reading of Genesis one." <laughs> and everyone was like, "Wait, <laughs> you're not allowed to say that." <laughs> but once once we clarified, it was like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah. But I, and and I do believe that it just was really poorly articulated, <laughs> <laughs> and some I'll give some of the reasons that I think it's yeah. the clearest, and John, you can give some as well. But first, because of the the nature of the the, the literature, which somewhere kind of between prose and poetry, yeah, and the way that those patterns and those parallels line up with days one through three and four through six, and the culminating work of man as God's image bearer, and the establishing of the work week rest pattern yeah making sense literal or literarily and and kind of other vocabulary and language used seems to make this view fit best in the historic context to my understanding yeah that that like the the sun moon and stars are called the greater lights and the lesser lights there are perfectly good hebrew words for sun and moon but they're called that because god is reminding his people these things that your enemies worship, I made those things. They're not gods. Yeah. The, the Egyptians worship the sun. I made the sun. It's not a god. And that also reflects back to day one, light and dark. Right. Yeah. And, and so the, the nature of the text seems to be doing that. And also this hard line, literal six days, uh, seems to be arguing a thing that I don't think the ancient Near Eastern Israelites from the context of Genesis we're concerned with yeah they weren't going out there with the the canaanites and the 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 babylonians and the people from tyre and sidon and from egypt and the philistines going god made the world in six literal days and the world is this long and science is wrong or whatever and and i don't i think that there's kind of a modern polemic embedded in the 24-hour literal view that doesn't make sense with the purposes of moses in genesis and in the pentateuch in the time when he was writing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's, like I was saying, first of all, I'm not like, oh, you believe in the literal, you know, six-day? Like, how dare you? Like, (laughs) I'm not saying that. But the thing that always interests me is that it feels like the framework view is looking at it from a more, I guess, like Hebrew perspective almost, where or even like ancient world perspective, where they're not asking the questions that we know of, at least. They're not asking the questions of like, how many years old is the world? Right. Did it take six days to make it? Like, right. they're not 
as interested in that sort of thing. Whereas us today, we're very interested in that because of modern science and all of this right. stuff related to that. So when we try and view it as six literal days, it could have been six literal days. I'm not saying it, it isn't. I'm just saying that the text, I don't think, cares. I don't think it was written, what, 4,000 years ago with our 19th, 20th, 21st century questions right. Like as the centerpiece yeah. of it. The framework theory seems to answer the questions that were relevant to the Hebrew people in their time and still meaningful to us today. If you're interpreting a passage in a way that would have no meaning at all to the original audience, it's probably not that. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, again, it, we, I, I could definitely be wrong. Yeah. But I don't think I am. One other, one other criticism of the framework theory that I think it's important to address is that people often say it's like well you're just allegorizing the text you're just making it say like nothing like right. um, and I think I like I understand where you're coming from if you if when you say that but I just think um, we're just this view does more justice to the fact that it's not trying to answer the questions yeah. that you're trying to make it answer yeah so I still thoroughly believe that God created the world out of nothing by the power of his word in the period that the Bible says it does. Right. But I'm not, yeah. One other thing, I guess, just to point out a couple things with individually is like, this is, everyone points this out, but like, there's no sun until the fourth yeah, day. Yeah, so there, one of the, the other reasons that I kind of hold to it is because I see, I see weaknesses in the other views that, yeah. that aren't convincing. It's like, there, yeah, that's one of them. Six, six literal days, even though... How Literal days did not start until day four. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. And then for. Not to say that God couldn't just have applied that. Right. But yeah. But it doesn't really make natural sense. Yeah. There's no source of light until day four. And there's no source of time being kept as we keep it now until day four. Yeah. So the chronology and the timing doesn't really seem to add up. Yeah. And then for day age, it seems it, it seems to me to really be forcing the Bible to answer to a more scientific perspective. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be starting with, it seems to be more eisegetical reading into the text than exegetical taking out of the text. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It seems kind of, it, even a little bit reactionary maybe. Right. Um, where it's like, oh, we need to, we need to find an adjust, adjusted view because of right. scientific findings. Um, six day literal won't work. So we're going to have to go with, you know, we need to find a loophole right yeah and and uh, though the word for day in hebrew is used in the old testament in ways other than literal 24-hour period yeah not in the same construction as it is in in genesis one it it would almost it would almost feel a little deceptive right to which is part of so some people try and qualify the mature the day the literal view by putting it as a mature earth that God made the earth with the appearance of age. And I have a geologist friend who's like, that just feels like God's lying and tricking us. Yeah. Which is kind of fair as well. I like that about the framework view because it doesn't, it doesn't try and answer how many years old the earth is. Right. Like, could it be millions of years, billions of years? Well, it could be as long as that doesn't go, you know, as long as that doesn't contradict the things that the Bible does say clearly. Yeah. And, and I think that, Almost you you mentioned reactionary as as a thing, and I think that almost the twenty four hour view and the the day age view are both reactionary to the development of kind of post enlightenment thinking, where slowly over decades and centuries religion and science are put at odds with each other. Yeah, and these views kind of blossomed out of that almost. Yeah, choose your side, religion or science. Right. Yeah, or somehow reconcile them together. <laughs> That's yeah. not possible. Speaking of reconciling, there's this funny quote from Gerhardus Voss when he talks about this. Uh, and I think this is a good reminder, and I'll explain why yeah. in a second. But he says, and he's writing in the early 1900s, so like almost 100 years ago. But this is in his commentary on the catechism. To attempt to reconcile evolution and creation by adjusting the details is as futile as it would be to try and reconcile the theory that the world is flat <laughs> with the fact that the world is round <laughs> and by compromise between the two. So first of all, flat earthers your deal Uh, (laughs) what are you about (laughs) second of all it's important that while we try and embrace science because science is a in a discovery and a a study of god's creation it's a good thing oh yeah and science was born out of good theologians and good christians wanting to know god's world better they're not at odds science and and religion specifically christianity are not at odds we 
we can't give up too much ground. And there are things about an overly evolutionary worldview that are irreconcilable yeah. with like death being a good thing, the, the chaos and randomness of creation, the, the belief that matter and material is all that there is, the belief that through science we can know everything that there is to be known eventually, all these things the intrinsic. The belief that Adam is not a real person and right. that he's just sort of like a representation of early man or right. something like that. You need a literal Adam. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a lot of things in an evolutionary worldview that are irreconcilable as Voss says with a view yeah. of creation. And so while we like while we can have this conversation and should and I think because I think the framework view is right that the Bible isn't trying to take tell us what order things were made mm-hmm. in and how long they took, especially how long they took or how long ago it was. We should use science to try and know as much about that as we can. Yeah. But we shouldn't first of all put all our eggs in the basket of science to to learning what there is to to know about creation. Yeah. And we shouldn't believe something that we have discovered in science that blatantly contradicts something that scripture teaches because we believe scripture to be infallible. And so if it contradicts scripture, then whatever the discovery is, is a misunderstanding in some way, at least. Yeah. Um, And so seek to know through science how old the earth is. That's great. Yeah. But don't commit to that above your commitment to to what the Bible teaches about creation. And honestly, I think there's very little in, in terms of like science specifically that goes against Christianity and we have to be like, crap, I don't believe in science anymore. I think it's usually only theories derived from scientific discoveries. You know, like you do not, like if you, let's say you believe in, you know, evolution, you do not have to, you do not have to believe that it came from nothing without God's help. You can easily, you can just as easily say God formed the process and allowed it to happen over millions of years because to God a day is like a, a thousand years and you know my, my point is just that it's not like science is like this demanding thing with, the bible to be wrong and, yeah. and, and you can't possibly believe that science has revealed truths if you also believe the bible exactly yeah yeah that's what I was getting at it's not this like science is usually lying to you yeah and to bring this qu- this section to a close before we get to our him and heresy I just want to read from Voss because I think he kind of captures that idea well this is a real vossian episode i've been relying on well because he has a really good commentary and and he asks in his commentary on this on the larger catechism's parallel question to shorter catechism question nine why does the bible not tell us the exact date of creation the exact age of the human race and he answers if we really needed to know these things god would have revealed them in the bible since he has not done so we can only conclude that these are matters which do not really we do not really need to know we should always remember that the Bible was not written to satisfy our curiosity, but to show us the way of salvation. And so it's important, I think, that we keep things in their proper place and not hold too much to one reality or another. And again, not a hill, not the hill to die on. Right. And, and also remembering that, and I think this is what's helpful about what I think the framework view summarizes from the the creation narrative in scripture is that god is trying to reveal stuff about himself and his relationship to his creatures specifically his relationship to his people and some other really significant theological realities as well that's the creation narrative's purpose don't try and make it do more than it needs to because we don't need to know that the bible isn't specific about that and Mm -hmm. it's going to create battles that we don't need to fight yeah to which will distract us from fighting the ones that we do and honestly it'll tear the church apart too many things unnecessarily yeah too many things like this we you know we fight over as though they are the things that should be you know separating the church or something right it's like it's not if you put a gun to my head and we're like you need to hold the literal okay six day (laughs) creation i'd be like that's fine whereas if you told me i had to believe in work salvation i'd be like that's not fine (laughs) so all right let's do that hymn of the week hit it that one you're doing a new song this week wait what did i do you've been stuck on uh oh i was doing every time we touch wasn't i yeah I, that was uh <laughs> that was levels of ichi now that i think about it i get those mixed up i digress hymn of the week i'm not a big edm guy so i can't really they're both you know, i know them both you know both those songs. anyways they're classics the, the hymn this week is hymn 122 in the trinity hymnal which is god all nature sings thy glory coming from psalm 104 24 which reads How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. 
and I'll, I'll read uh, a little bit of that hymn for us. Now, God, all nature sings thy glory and thy works proclaim thy might. Ordered vastness in the heavens, ordered courses of day and night. Beauty in the changing seasons, beauty in the storming sea. All the changing moods of nature praise the changeless trinity. Clearer still we see thy hand in man whom thou hast made for thee. Ruler of creation's glory, image of thy majesty. Music, art, and fruitful garden, all the labor of his days, are the calling of his maker to harvest feast to the harvest feast of praise. But our sins have spoiled thine image. Nature, conscience only serve as unceasing grim reminders of the wrath which we deserve. Yet thy grace and saving mercy uh, in thy word of truth revealed. Claim the praise of all who know thee in the blood of Jesus sealed. God of glory, power, mercy, all creation praises thee. We thy creatures would adore thee now and through eternity. Save to magnify thy goodness, grant us strength to do thy will. With our acts as with our voices, thy commandments to fulfill. I think that's, first Boom. of all, it's like a good scope. Like creation and redemption together. That's really cool. Yeah. But also it's, a, it's a, a, again, a good reminder of the goodness of creation and, and how we've ruined it and how redemption has brought that about. And again, to answer why God creates for his glory. He, he, has, he has no need of creation. He has created all things to, to make, make known his glory and to, to love his people because it pleased him to do so. And this hymn, I think, is a good reminder of the realities of creation. Yeah. All right. Shall we heresy it up? Let's heresy it up. This is, a, this is one of my favorite things to talk about <laughs> when you talk about creation. <laughs> take it away. Well, take yeah, it away. So, oh, well, this was actually really hard to yeah, figure out which one we wanted to do. Because well, like, there's so many like wacky views on creation if you you know yeah like i the crowd we were talking do we do this gnostic view that like there's two gods and the evil one made matter so matter is evil or yeah. or how mormons kind of believe that that the <laughs> physical world or material is the only <laughs> eternal existing yeah. thing. i don't know it's, anyways we landed on something much better than yeah. those john so, take it away this week we're talking about uh heresy of the week is this thing called gap theory this is basically a view of creation that is trying really hard to accommodate for scientific claims, re- recent science, while also holding to like literal six days. So basically, how this view works is that Genesis one says, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then Genesis two says, and the earth was without form and void. Quick pause. Oh wait, this is part of why I also love the framework view because God's act of creation is Him forming the formless days one through three and filling the void Mm. so there's this quote-unquote problem introduced in genesis 2 formlessness and void and god solving that through creation he makes the heavens and then the sea and sky and then the land forming the formless and then he puts the sun moon and stars and yeah and the birds and the fish and the creatures and humans on on in their places and that is filling the void yeah and so it's it works in the narrative framework anyways john anyway, gap theory gap explain theory. <laughs> to me explain to me this question because basically gap theory comes from the question if god made everything then why was it formless and void and this is the answer yeah it is so incredible so the view basically puts it like this um in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth this is the initial creation account this one verse is the creation of the world gap theory says between verse one which says that and verse two which says and the earth was formed and the world was formless and void, there is a gap in which <laughs> basically the so, devil... Well, yeah, this is when like, Satan fell, right? Yeah, this, like the devil this falls. This view and, answers ahead. so many questions that people ask that the text does not answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basi- so basically in this gap between verse 1 and two, verse 2, without any mention, this theory has determined that Satan basically took over the world and then God cast him into hell, um, and that he—that's why the world was formless and void because Satan ruined it. Yeah, there was this cosmic battle <laughs> between the forces of Satan and his rebellious army, yeah. and God and his faithful angels. Yep, and then the world was just in wreckage, and God had to come in and you know the six days of creation are forming. So they believe in six literal days, and they believe that the age of the earth is shown because 
God is using these old parts, these old components. Right. He's forming the world. All the pieces from, are really old. Yeah. <laughs> which is also, isn't this why dinosaurs, doesn't this explain dinosaurs as well? There's probably something like that. Because they're like, yeah, dinosaurs were there, and then Satan rebelled and crushed the world, and then the dinosaurs died as that cataclysmic event happened. Yeah. So, so and that's why their bones are so deep in the in the earth because when God put the pieces back, their bones were really deep. Were like in the buried pieces. them. Yeah. Yeah. So the problem, like we've been saying, is just that there's no. Like, you're making this up and saying like this it is, sounds good. This is the theory of presumption entirely. Yeah, you cannot point to anywhere in the text to get this. At best, you can try and like twist some like passages in revelation or something like that to argue this right but and it's inserting things from this is the epitome of two things like you mentioned well this makes it so that we can have the literal 24-hour day view and also explain why the earth is so old it's the epitome of uh, of of conforming a passage to the scientific assertions yeah but it's also the epitome of oh man i forgot what i was gosh my brain is not okay today <laughs> it's also the epitome of well it's like taking other passages and shoving them in other places yeah, i guess this passage would not have meant the same thing at all that's the right it's the, the epitome of your meaning has no meaning to the original audience yeah <laughs> there it is yeah now I, I think we're about wrapping up basically like we said the main issue is here is just that this is clearly a an invention of recent times with that said if someone told me that they believed in gap theory, that's not a uh, that's still not a like they're not going to heaven. Right. That's still not a hill to die on. Yeah. I would say they're in significant error. <laughs> and I and I would say they're in significant error and if they're reading the rest of the Bible like they're reading Genesis 1, they're going to have problems with their interpretation elsewhere. Right. But in and of itself, their view of creation does not mean that they don't believe they're still trying to hold to a literal Adam holding a, this view is not a, a damnable offense. Yes. Right. And but they probably it is still so believe, bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Like if they still hold to Jesus dying for their sins, rising from the dead and you know, all of those things, then I'm still not going to be like, I cast you from my church for your <laughs> lies, you know, but how do you get, but how do yeah, you hold this in all seriousness? It's kind of rough. With that being said, it's also extremely entertaining. <laughs> yeah. If this had, exegetical like biblical foundation i would be all on board because it is a fun epic yeah it's it's kind of fun but it's nonsense yeah <laughs> anyways but we don't judge things based on funness right in terms of truth but anyway yeah so that's that's the show this is a long show. one thanks for listening um and and please tune in next week for the end of season one after after next week we're gonna take a couple weeks off do a couple uh uh, proof text and side footnotes hustles. episodes. Yes, yeah, side hustles. They're free, so it's, it's not really a hustle. <laughs> side, anyway. uh, side spending our time right. to give you free things. Right. <laughs> Anyways, and then we'll return in like June for season two. This is not like those podcasts where it's like season one is over. Tune in in eighteen months for yeah. season two. We'll be back shortly. We spend approximately a thousand hours on each episode. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> but but yeah. So uh, we'll be back next week. So tune in. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Catechize Pod. Give us a review or a a uh, at least some like likes or whatever. Some interaction. What are those called? Some know. stars? I don't know. Give us some, yeah, interact with us because it helps us. Copy and paste some other podcast's final two minutes here and just do what they say except for our podcast. Yeah, because, I mean, it does help (laughs) us because the more activity we get, the more we're shown on searches and things and then the the podcast gets more kind of publicity or whatever and And other people can hear it and we do. You're right. We want to help other people or we want to engage with other people and, and it's, yeah. Um, thank you for listening and tuning in. Uh, check out our website at uh, catechized.org. Right? Yeah. I think so. That's the. Yeah. <laughs> Good gracious. Catechize your kids. We'll All see right, you next see week. <laughs>